0: TheUltimateCoachBook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Ultimate Coach Podcast. I'm Meredith Bell, your host for this episode. And I'm very excited to have a conversation with Teresa Campbell, who's a business and life coach. She's also the founder of Her Life, Her Legacy and the facilitator of group coaching programs. Teresa, welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Meredith. This is really exciting. I'm happy to be here.
1: You know, Teresa, you and I have known each other now for a few years, thanks to Melissa Ford. Give a shout out to her. And there's just something in your presence that to me is uh, inspiring. And I know that the listeners of this show are going to really benefit from our conversation. And I think it would be great to kick it off by asking you, because you have gotten to know Steve Hardison, you scheduled a Be With session with him, and I would love for you to talk about how did you learn about him and then what did you do in preparation for that session with him. Sure. To capsulize what happened during and then afterwards.
2: Okay. So how did I learn about Steve? Um To be honest with you, Meredith, I've always been one of those people who, when I learn from one person, I'm always looking at, well, then who did he learn from? And then who did he learn from? And then who did he learn from? So um in 2011, I hired my very first life coach, a guy named Jacob Sokol, And I remember just really enjoying like what I was learning. And I learned at the time, his coach was a guy named Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson was being coached by Steve Chandler. Steve Chandler was being coached by Steve Hardison. And then it appeared like, you know, the buck stopped there. So I knew at that point that I needed to learn from Steve Hardison, but that was back in 2011. And it wasn't until 2015 where I, um, had the courage, if you will, to reach out and friend him on Facebook. And it took about three years of him just serving and loving and gifting me audios and books and programs through direct message. Um, when I finally turned around and decided, you know what, well, I actually didn't decide I was nudged. Um, because as you know, my work is really focused on listening and, um, That had been something I've been practicing diligently since 2011. And the day came after I had continued my coaching journey and work on myself and building my practice where I said, okay, there's a missing piece to this puzzle. I don't know what it is. So I got still and I got quiet. And then Steve Hardison's name kind of floated up in my spirit. And I said, okay, well, it's time to reach out to him. It's time to connect. And I don't even know why. I don't even know what it is, but I was prompted to reach out to him. So that's really how this started back in 2011, just knowing that I would want to learn from him and then essentially waiting and asking and listening when it felt like I didn't know where to go next. Mm
1: -hmm. So, when did you decide what it was? you wanted to talk with him about in in that session with him.
2: When I reached out to him, I want to say it was about eight or nine months before I actually met with him. So I didn't know. All I knew is that I had, you know, eight to nine months to figure out what was, what we were going to talk about. And in addition to that, he also gave me like 13 different homework assignments to do over the course of eight months. Um, a bunch of books to read, articles to read, his website to read. So there was a lot of work that was happening between that initial reaching out, having the conversation, and then getting to the be with. So by the time eight or nine months rolled around, I was really clear that there was like, I felt like I was missing a piece to the puzzle. I knew that I wanted to become more of myself Um. I knew I wanted to become more of myself, and even though I didn't really know what that meant, because I journal, I I could go back and see that I was curious about bringing my full self, meaning the spiritual part of myself, to my life and to my work. So I wanted to talk about that, and I had no idea what my question even was, and I just knew I was only going to have two hours so, I wrote him a letter, so I could stay focused and clear and not kind of veer off on things that I could at the time work with Melissa Ford on. so I knew that there was this thing I didn't have words for um and that's what that's how I narrowed it down. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if that answers your question. I hope it did, but that's well,
1: yeah, because just thinking about you did a lot of preparation in in making. The most of the time that you had with him. And so without going into necessarily the content of what you covered Mm -hmm. with him, when you left there, either how were you different or how were you thinking differently about yourself and about what you wanted to do?
2: I left there seeing myself in Steve. Like, I went to see myself essentially, meaning my potential, my capacity, my range. And my experience of Steve, and you know, people say this all the time like, oh, that thing you admire in somebody else, like that's in you because you couldn't see it if it, you didn't have access to it. And what I experienced in that session was pure love. And then I also saw a willingness. To be very gentle and loving and nurturing all the way to like yelling, like passionate, like very, very clear, like you will get this before you leave this office. If it, I'm willing to die for you to get this message. Like that was the experience of it. And the reason that was so important for me, specifically as a Christian, I later had somebody reach out to me because they saw Christ in me. And as anybody knows, Steve's declaration, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is one of mine as well, right? At the time. And it was very interesting to see. ah, this is an example of a willingness to weep with somebody and then also like braid the whip and knock over tables and do what needs to be done to get a message across. So he gave me permission to unleash like all aspects of myself, including the spiritual parts of me that I had been kind of holding back out of fear of what other people would think. So there was a lot of self-forgiveness that happened in that two hours. There was a lot of dem- like, a, like a physical demonstration of who I am and what I have the capacity to create in two hours with another human being. And that he gave me permission to unleash that Um, in the world. And then my year-long group coaching program after that was called, has been called Unleashed up until now. So it was, it was wonderful to have an example of what was possible, like right in your face.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's, let's kind of fast forward now to today. And you and I were talking earlier, the word storm has significant (laughs) meaning for you living in Florida having experienced a storm very recently, but also another one as we record this coming (laughs) in November. So talk about the different storms that you have experienced this year and um, what's been your response to them?
2: So the reason I love storms is because I believe that they are required for our growth and development physical, like literal storms, as well as internal storms, like the turmoil that we can feel in the chaos on the inside. And um, there's a song in Hamilton um, where one of the lyrics says, in the eye of the hurricane, there is quiet. And when I think about some of the most powerful people, those are the people that can be still and grounded in the midst of storms or when I think about Jesus and the boat and the storm, he was asleep. So it's like, this is the piece that I have available to me at all times based off of what I choose to listen to. Right. So yes, we just, you know, had hurricane Ian and now subtropical storm, possibly hurricane Nicole is going to make her appearance um, in a couple days. And I'm hosting a three-day retreat with clients that are flying in from other parts of the country. And three of two of the days, we're going to different venues. And it's like, okay, well, we just wrapped up my eight-year-old's birthday party. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a great week. We're going to finalize these details for what was supposed to unfold, right, in my creation of this experience. And now it's this willingness to surrender. And have a plan B and be okay with what is and continue to move forward with joy and that sense of peace versus, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Um, This is horrible. This is not how I imagined it. We can't go to the gardens. Like All of the past kind of programming or you would almost, one would say like victim mindset of like, why is this happening to me? When am I going to get a break? All of that. And and now it's like, well, no, like everything happens for me. Everything. Even the things I don't like. Every storm is for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm willing to slow down and listen for how this is happening for me, not to me. And how this is going to create an even more transformational experience, how I show up, who I'm being moment to moment as I communicate with the events team, as I communicate with the attendees, as I navigate canceled flights and all the different things, and help people to still feel like even if they miss a day, they're a part of it. So hopefully that aligns. Yes. Well, I think that
1: there's a lot in what you said there that I think are lessons. For all of us, getting to the point where we truly see things for that are, see everything that happens as being for us is huge. And I'm curious because I know how listening is such an integral part of who you are, listening internally as well as listening to others. Let's talk about how you have learned how to listen to that inner voice to the messages that you've gotten that you feel that you need to really pay attention to and different your own feelings that you might have from the true message that you want to hear
2: Mm -hmm. so I love that you said like differentiating your feelings from the true message right so there's oftentimes when we are triggered or when we're offended Or when something happens that's not the way we wanted it to go or wasn't what we were expecting or were disappointed, there's a listening that's taking place in the disappointment and the sadness and our humanity of the experience, meaning our reaction to it. And for me to distinguish between the two, it comes from, number one, understanding that my ego will most often speak first. It just does because I'm a human. I don't have to, I think we've talked in the past about how I picture thoughts going by as trains, like little train cars, and I allow them to move through. I allow them to move through my nervous system, and then I wait for the listening that would be really useful for what it is that I would love to create, given the circumstances so I can't stop my thoughts. <laughs> I can't shut off the conditioning from, you know, 30 some odd years of being programmed, programmed in a particular way. Now, what I can do is be conscious of what's happening as that energy moves through my nervous system, allow it to do that, and then respond because there's always that space. So when a storm comes or when, or maybe that's not a storm, maybe things aren't feeling easy. Or maybe things are like kind of like this isn't coming together, or I might be feeling overwhelmed. I might have the physical response first, like this is hard. And I think I, I I can share with you around this time last year when I was getting ready to launch the group coaching program again, it wasn't feeling easy. And it was feeling challenging. And my, you know, members of the community were like, what's the theme for next year? And when is it going to start? And can we sign? There was all of this energy around it, but I still there was a there was a something in me that was saying, stop. And if I'm not willing to listen to either the physical reaction that says stop, just to understand what's going on over there. So ultimately. I've always believed that listening is the highest form of love. And if I'm willing to love myself, I will listen to the part that says, stop. I won't keep trying to push forward. And when I do that, every time I've done that, I've gotten very clear on what's trying to get my attention, right? So at that point in time, it was my coaching practice. It was saying, hello, your business is called Her Life, Her Legacy, Look at the past eight clients you've enrolled. They're all men. Hello. Right? (laughs) It's like, hello. You have someone who's asked for your support and they have a terminal illness. You've never engaged in that way before. Hello. Right. So I'm over here like, oh, I should just un you know, do this and we're gonna do unleash. And it's gonna, it's like, that's not listening to the voice that's like, hey. You've got this going on over here. Hey, you notice all these guys that you're supporting? Hey, here's another one that wants you to help him to be more like Jesus. So it was like, you asked, like, how do I learn to listen to that? For me, there's resistance. If I'm experiencing resistance, then I want to go look over there. I want to go listen to what's going on over there. Because you're right. I probably don't want to hear we're not going to do unleashed in this calendar year, I don't want to hear that, right? <laughs> you're going to go tell your clients, "Hey, we're going to take a pause," and you're not going to know how long that is. I don't want to hear that. I don't. I didn't want to hear a lot of that stuff, but I knew for my growth and development, let's go look at this storm and identify where you need to do some work, young lady. Right. So that's how it shows up in me.
1: Hmm.
2: There's resistance.
1: Said there. Teresa, that to me, a writer downers for people and one of the most important, I love your own growth in learning to to not just pay attention to, but stop or pause, really hear what is being communicated to you. And that's huge. The other thing you said that I just wrote down because I love it so much, listening is the highest form of love.
2: 100%.
1: And so I want you to talk a little bit about that because you know me, uh, the communication skills are heart and soul of what we do in our own work and listening is that core skill and you take it to such a beautiful level that I feel like that is one of the gifts that you can give to this community of listeners. Talk about why is listening the highest form of love?
2: Listening is the highest form of love because when when we're truly loved, we often feel seen, we often feel heard, and we often feel safe and not judged. So part of the reason being with people and their pain and their suffering and their joy and in their just neutral state, not judging them, listening to them, seeing them, hearing them. That's love. And oftentimes we don't even love ourselves enough to listen to that part of us that has the resistance. I shouldn't say we don't love ourselves enough. We're not conscious that that's an opportunity. So I want to listen to the light in me as well as the darkness in me because no part of me is not welcome here, period. So when I and that's how how I am with other people. It's like I don't, it doesn't matter what you have going on, you can share that with me. There will be zero judgment. You can talk as, you know, I've had clients later um who've said, Hey, can we just um sit in silence together for the next 40 minutes? And when that first happened, I was like, <laughs> What like this is a coaching session? But what I realized was like this individual who asked for that and it's others have asked later want to experience feeling the presence of somebody themselves included that's not judging them that fully sees them and that fully hears them and is not interrupting them is not inserting their own opinion or offering anything other than just a space for them to be and that's why I think a be with is so powerful Because you can be who you are and all of you is welcome, not a single part of you. And that's love. So if every part of you can be listened to by yourself, by another, or by God, that's love. Love is always in the room, but are you willing to hear it? Yeah, that's
1: that's so important. And I think this whole listening to ourselves, because the contrast between doing and being, you know, we get so busy doing things that we don't slow down enough to just be. And there's a word that you used um in an earlier conversation that I really want to dive into because for you the word unfold has come mm-hmm. a very important and deep meaning. And I would love for you to talk about that.
2: Yeah, so where I am in my journey everything continues to unfold. There was a part of my journey where I intentionally, consciously created what was unfolding, or so I thought. Um, but we're constantly, like, life is happening whether we do anything or not. Like, we're sitting here, hair is probably growing, nails are, like, think, life is happening, right? Whether I do anything or not. So for me to be someone who allows life to unfold and chooses who I'm going to be in the unfolding, that has actually served me more and has allowed me to move and navigate through every storm with a greater sense of peace. What's the distinction
1: you make? Between unfold and create?
2: Unfold. So a circumstance unfolds, and then I decide what I would love to create. For me, that's how I've approached it. So I can have desires. I can see something over there that I would love. And given who I'm choosing to be, which is somebody who is fully surrendered to God then my will is also surrendered to God. So I might still desire that thing over there and move towards it, understanding that it's all gonna unfold as it should. There's no mistake that I ended up in a Be With session with Steve. There's no mistake that like you and I are having this conversation. We laughed before we got on here because you're like, oh yes, let's talk about storms. And here it is, hurricane, tropical storm, Nicole. She's on her way. Right. So it's like there's an unfolding that's already happening, regardless of what I want to happen or, you know, you can't make some of this stuff up. I do think look at the synchronicity and I'm willing to create from what unfolds, meaning my state of being, my response, um, more love, more compassion, more forgiveness, more grace. And from that place, so much more creativity and power and wisdom can flow.
1: You know, one of the things that as I'm listening to you, it sounds so easy and effortless for you. And yet I know there's a lot of work that's gone into getting to this place of allowing Mm -hmm. holding of not trying to force creativity Mm -hmm. of being grateful for things happening, you know, for you. What are some of the processes or? events or whatever you want to describe that have allowed you to get to this place? What was it like before and what did it take?
2: What it was like before was really believing what I call non-useful listenings or the thoughts that we have about ourselves that are not useful. So before, life was really heavily experience through my story personal story so programming conditioning a story of struggle a story of things always having to be hard like it was a challenge to get into grad school and it was a challenge to start the coaching practice and it was a challenge being one of the first african-american you know children um families in an all-white and affluent community right where we weren't wealthy so it's like what parts of my story Was I constantly listening to, constantly I retelling, me retelling, right? As where different wasn't necessarily good, right? So what parts of my story was I continuing to live into that made life hard? And would I be willing to forgive them? Would I be willing to surrender those aspects, like surrender that part of the story or even just transcend it in the name of creating love, trust, connection, abundance all of it but i had to get out of the stories that i was telling myself that were not serving me and when i was able to identify kind of like those core wounds if you will or those core stories when i move through life if i am triggered or if i get offended or if something happens when i slow down and listen i can say oh 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 yeah that's that's that childhood wound of like not being seen, right? Middle child stuff. Or you're the only black person in the room. You better not make a disturbance. Like those types of stories that were very heavy, but they move with you until you're willing to bring them into the light. I don't remember who said it, but there's that quote. Maybe it's Nietzsche who says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. We can Google it after the podcast, (laughs) right? But if I'm not conscious of the story that I'm, that I continue to tell myself moment after moment, after moment, experience, after experience, after experience, then I can be in a storm that I created every time, Mm -hmm. or I can feel the initial, ooh, and I can listen to the Part of me that wants to take things personally. I can listen to the part of me that thinks she knows best. I can listen to the part of me that has an MBA. I can listen to the part of me that spent X number of years in corporate America and think I have the answer. And then I can set all of that aside. And there is a truth that speaks very quietly that might point back to you're believing that part of your story again. And then am I willing to let that go? Am I willing to forgive it again? And then, what would I love to create from this place? So, if I had to, I, I, I even hesitate to give it a formula because so much of this, your evolution happens. You can't skip it, it unfolds. So, just love where you are because we are where we are. And that's just where we are mm-hmm. for now. Yes.
1: I just love what you're saying. <laughs> but that last point, I think, especially, we can read about, um, Or, you know, interact on social media with people that seem to be in our, you know, we're judging ourselves. They are further along in their growth development than, than we are. And this idea of evaluating instead of celebrating where we are and the fact that our awareness is, is now has now expanded a little bit more and maybe a little bit more. Think about the clients that you work with rather than your own journey for a moment. And I know that because of your magnificent listening skills, you're able to really pick up some of these stories that they tell themselves. And I'm just curious, what are some of the stories that you, you hear in, that are similar? You know, as you think about the different clients, there are certain threads or themes that that. Hmm. Make up. And I, I'd love for you to talk about what are some of those, and then what are some of the maybe the questions you ask or, mm-hmm. or other comments you might make that help them see what previously they haven't been able to see.
2: Sure. So oftentimes people don't know that they can actually ask for what they act what they truly want. Um, oftentimes there is this dance that is done, meaning I'm going to show up in this particular way. I'm going to do all of these things other than directly ask for what it is that I would love. And oftentimes we don't ask and we don't receive because we're not willing to ask. (laughs) But there's something that stops us from asking for what we desire in our relationships and our career and all these different areas of our life, if I am not willing to ask or even just have be open to listening and receiving what comes back, it's really hard for me to create anything in my life that I actually truly desire. So oftentimes that might look like somebody who has taken on more responsibilities in the workplace, but has not asked for a um, compensation to match that. And then they'll be able to tell you all of the reasons why it's not a good time and we just went through a pandemic. And they'll say all of these things that really diminish the value and who they're bringing to the table for this extra effort that they're they're about to give to this organization. And there's often a way in which people talk about their situation That lets me know if it's coming from a place of like power and confidence and like a true understanding why they are giving this as a gift versus acquiescing into, you know, little Billy who was never allowed to ask for more potato chips or whatever, because he was told he was greedy or they're afraid they're going to come across as abrasive. So they don't because they don't want to be perceived in a certain way. Or if you're like oftentimes um, African-American male clients that I've worked with have not shown up in their power because historically that hasn't been well received and they can be labeled. Um, So there's ways in which people talk that I can hear that they're either showing up in their power or they're not. And it's often in like tonality. It's often in what I witness if I'm with them in person, just how they talk about it, like their body language. Um, so it's usually a lack of confidence from a non-useful listening from their childhood that actually made sense and helped them to get to where they are today, but does not serve them going forward.
1: Are there specific questions that you ask in situations like that, that invite, Mm -hmm. I know you are a very you're not judgmental in any way. So you extend invitations to people. So um, just in terms of somebody that might want to explore their own stories, their own uh, reasons why, what may be driving them to behave certain ways today that aren't serving them well, what are some questions they might ask themselves?
2: Just that, like if somebody says... I don't advocate for myself or, and I don't know why I do that, right? There's so much power in the rhetorical questions that we ask ourselves. It's like, I don't know why I do that. Anytime somebody asks a rhetorical question, I stop them. And I say, well, that's a really good question. Why do you do that? So one quick way is if you ever catch yourself asking a rhetorical question, more often than not, we just kind of move on like, yeah, I don't know why that happened or I don't know. It's it's like, oh, here's something to look at if I want, Mm -hmm. right? Because looking at the story behind the story is often uncomfortable and people have a choice if they want to do that or not. So rhetorical questions, if you're asking them, answer them (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's often gold in them. And it's, it's really kind of on a case by case basis. Like, am I willing to be radically honest with myself? Because we've many people, especially if they're listening to this podcast or they're doing personal development or coaching, like it can be easy to start kind of just like surface level answering questions. But before you answer any question that your coach gives you or a book gives you, like before you answer it, I might ask myself, am I willing to be radically honest with myself as I answer this question? And that level of authenticity with yourself can be really eye-opening and can help to uncover the story behind the story that were was once unconscious, that we're making conscious so it can stop directing your life in ways that you don't want it to go. Mm-hmm. So answer rhetorical questions. And then with the questions that are being offered to you, be willing to be radically honest and stop moving quickly just to get through the assignment. I work with a lot of people who want to just get to the end. Um <laughs> And they're not a big fan of like, you know, the, I call it the messy middle, but the truth is that's actually where transformation takes place. And we don't need to say it's messy. It's just where it's happening.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, It's such an important point. We tend to want to label things in some kind of negative way, and we're putting judgment on that and then saying, I shouldn't think that or I shouldn't feel that way, when in fact, it's just where we are. And I think, you know, you use that word resistance before. I think when we resist being where we are in the moment, in whatever aspect of our human existence we're going through at that time, the more we resist it and try to deny or squelch it, the longer we stay there because we're not really through
2: it. We're not loving it. I um, did work with um, John Patrick Morgan and this one thing he said just stuck with me forever. He said, what we will not be with will not let us be. So if there's any part of me that I am unwilling to sit with and experience, like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a rocky road. I was not wanting to put my coaching program on hold, like pause and tell everybody we're taking a pause. Like that was, that was, that was pretty painful because I thought I had a, you know, I had a plan and this thing was figured out and it's like where God's taking me, it's not my plan. So it was literally like you have created this amazing person who can plan and promise and deliver and be her word. And now like go ahead and undo all of that because I'm going to use you and you're not going to run your group coaching program. And I had a lot of resistance to that, but I didn't act like I was happy about it in my own quiet time. I had a client who sent me this necklace. It's the little golden pause button. And I was like, I will be back in 90 days with the program. It took six months. And the program looked radically different because I was radically different from sitting down thinking I was doing nothing, even though we, that's what the ego would want you to think. Oh, you're not being productive, but things were still happening. Business was still being created. And I was a lot more present.
1: You brought up something that I think is something we hear a lot in the Ultimate Coach community, the book, and that is about being your word. Mm-hmm. And- when you found it necessary to make these changes, was was that a struggle for you, feeling like, I'm not being my word, I've told these people I'm going to do this, and now I'm- Yes. This. So how how did you reconcile or work through that? By telling the truth,
2: <laughs> right? It was, here's what I, because I, I kept saying, oh, I'll have the full details at our next meeting, and I didn't have it. Because I wasn't supposed to have it. Mm. And it was like, I promised at the December meeting. And in the December meeting, I played a TED Talk by David White, where he talks about the lyrical bridge between the past, the present, and the future. And he ends the talk basically saying, "As sooner or later, we get to points where we don't know what's going to happen next. And we don't know what's going to happen after the next step. And it forces us to ask for help. Like it humbles us. And I just knew it with how my practice had changed, with what was present in my life. And the pause made sense. And I cried and said, have a great holiday. And I, I'll i be back in 90 days. And it was six months. So I learned this because what's happening over here is the unfolding of Teresa who is in control and who can say, this is what we're going to be doing. This is how many days it's going to be. This is what it's going to look like. This is what you can expect out of this. It was undoing all of that. And when I came back in the summer, I said, uh, the only thing that I am being asked to do is show up and speak to all of you (laughs) about what's present. That could be very helpful I don't know. And that was another thing, because I had to know before. I didn't know what you were talking about, where this thing was. I was in control, so I thought. And I said, "Um, yeah, it's called tea time, and we're going to run for 90 minutes. And if you'd like to be there, great. And they all showed up. And I was not excited about it, because I was like, well, what's the plan? What am I supposed to be doing? Talking about, but that's why asking and listening. So this whole experience has been like, Teresa, you could ask more. You've coached all these people about asking, asking, asking. And oh, by the way, in 2018, when you sat with Steve Hardison, you asked him to help you unleash the spiritual side of you. Well, why don't you spend a little bit more time with God and keep asking and receiving? And that's what I've been doing. So that was a long way of saying this journey takes time. We need to get out on the court and play and try and fail. And you will get to points where you do not know what to do. And that's why asking and listening is so powerful, especially when you don't want to hear what you're being asked to do. I don't want to hear any of it. But that didn't mean I didn't go there.
1: What allowed you to
2: go there? Ooh, it almost was so painful I had to do it. So like, there's no getting around this. It's like, you will be able to do nothing until you cross this threshold. And then the first time I did it, it went really well. And then the second time I did it, it went well again. And the truth is I've been doing this the whole time where there were glimpses of it. There were glimpses of me allowing, you know, God to use me. And this was like, Hey, are you all in? get rid of your agenda, get rid of your, here's what you're going to get. Are you all in? And then I, and when I said yes to that, other things were able to unfold as a result. And um, it was, it's, it's the surrender experiments that that's, it's that game. And it's like, are you willing to play that game full out with your whole being? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to be? Who do you need to be to surrender?
1: Yes. Well, and that is such a beautiful note to kind of wrap this all up with because that's, that is what it boils down to is recognizing I, I got to slow down here. My trying to force this to work, trying to be in control, that's an illusion in itself. And so what do I need to learn? It's like to get to the next level We have to be willing to let go of some of those beliefs, attitudes, behaviors that we had been so attached to. And I think that's, it's the pain of loss. You know, it's the grief of what was. Yes. We had pain there, right? You were saying there was pain that you had, and I've had that myself, when that can sometimes serve as a good motivator to kick you up towards that next level. Mm -hmm you're you you do not want to be in that anymore and even though the unknown can seem kind of scary because you don't have the plan you don't have the answers and yet there's an excitement to it and I love that you just used the word game because it's been helping me so much instead of a task list I now have a playlist oh and I that's love that <laughs> so different every day I've got my playlist, you know, and right. we playlist. Well, this is, um, you know, things I get to do today kind of, right. playlist. and it has a whole different feel to it. I bring a different energy to it. Then oh, here's my tasks. I got to get done <laughs> the heaviness to that. So yeah. I think that the use of the word game is a really good and important one because of what it can conjure up for us if we allow it.
2: If we allow it and it's being willing, like I mentioned, like I had to listen to like the little teen angst side of me that was like, why would you make me so organized and productive to take that all right? Like (laughs) I had to acknowledge that that voice was in there, but you're right. It's like, we have to be willing to let go to play a different game. Like, that identity served until it didn't. So now who do I get to be, right? Who do I want to be? Who would I love to be in this game of surrender that I'm playing? And it's like every day I feel like I wake up and it's like, here's your challenge. Should you choose to accept it, right? And I can decide like, okay, yeah, I'm all in. And I and I know because I've asked. So am I willing to wake up every day and say, okay, God, what would you have me to say to this person? What would you have me to do? And every time there's resistance, I'm like, this is where we're going because there's resistance. There's something for me to learn here about myself, about love, and about life. And if I can learn, then I can really be of service because I can continue to share what it is that I'm learning. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's, at least in this season, being requested of me in the highly uncomfortable season
1: (laughs) of surrender. Thank you for sharing this season. Thank
2: you me. for inviting me to.
1: <laughs> yes. Are such a gift. And your the insights, the wisdom you have around asking and, and listening, around mm-hmm. unfolding versus creating, around how you face and walk through storms, all of those are, you know, so thought provoking and helpful. I think for all of us whether it's our our work area our home you know whatever part of our lives we're going to have these challenges and these storms yes. that that come up and your um your wisdom around asking and listening is just a beautiful way to become more self-aware and aware and conscious so that that unconscious is rising to the level of conscious and we can make better choices. That's it.
2: And we can have fun along the way. So there will be much more laughter and whoever this Teresa is that's surrendering in case you were wondering. Yeah, so much more laughter. I laughed before, but often I would be afraid to laugh because I didn't want (laughs) to offend somebody. But in the storms, it's okay to laugh in the storms because it's kind of, it can be funny. It can be funny.
1: Yeah, it depends how you look at it. I
2: know. I know.
1: So Teresa, tell people how they can connect with you. Where are you on social media? And how can they learn more about the work that you're doing these days?
2: Sure. So on social media, I'm really only active on Facebook um, as inspired. So Teresa Watts, which is my maiden name, Campbell, on Facebook And then you can just reach out to me um, through my website, which is HerLifeHerLegacy.com. If you want to connect that way, you can just shoot me a message and we can connect.
0: And if you'd like to
2: join a tea time, just let me know on your message and you'll be invited to the next one where I show up and talk as inspired.
1: And I can guarantee that they will get additional inspiration beyond what we covered today. Thank you, Teresa, for who you are
2: being in the world. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you so much. I love you. I love your work. And uh, thank you for letting me to share at this stage of the journey, that's not exactly um, comfortable, but it is exciting.
1: Well, you know, it's real. And and that's what we want to bring, I think, to our listeners, because that's a part of the human experience is being exactly real with where we are. So, you you brought that beautifully today. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com. That's www.TheUltimateCoachBook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.